You're listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast. For more on Screening in Kingston, more episodes, info about our movie clubs, and a lot more fun movie content, visit screeningandkingston.com. This is going to be a really great episode, Taylor, because we've got tons of fan questions to get us through a nice mailbag episode. These are my literal, like, I'm not exaggerating. These are my favorite episodes. I love them. And why would you say they're your favorite? Because our, A, I just love hearing from our listeners. I think it's so fun that they think highly enough of us to listen to a listen to the show and be care enough to write in so that's great love hearing from everyone and the questions are always great things that I like wouldn't think to ask so anyways I just find it, I just think it's a lot of fun yeah I think it's nice that we get such a range of things too like we get someone like for example Tyler Vance who writes a novel uh when he writes in but then we get other people who literally send an email or they fill out a form and all they do is ask a question like there's yep. no lead in, there's no write up. It's just like here's the, here's my question, answer it. <laughs> and I yep. like that. I like the differences. Get right to the point. Um, and sorry, my I'm slightly distracted. My cat is trying to climb my workspace here. She's been very naughty the last couple of weeks. Well, I've been away a lot of weekends in a row, um, so she has been very clingy when I'm mm. home, uh, and for reasons of that only a cat i guess could explain she was trying to climb and like fit herself into whatever area possible regardless of how many items are on there yeah of um, course which which is something she never did like when she was younger she's always very like polite if there was too many things <laughs> on a thing she would never jump on it but now she's kind of moved past that i guess yeah, and is more comfortable care. yeah it does not it does she not knows care. she knows she's the boss <laughs> Um, so luckily there's a big window in here and she just got distracted. So hopefully, hopefully that keeps up. It's hard. It's hard to kind of keep my eye on her. This doesn't knock things over and also pay attention to what we're doing. Um, also for the past like day, um, this is going to be the most trivial problem to you, Taylor. I've had like, (laughs) uh, some sort of cat hair that's been scratching my face and making me itch and I can't find it. Oh, and, no, and, that's annoying. That's, yeah, that's a like real it's, issue. It's been a day of like, I've showered three times. I've washed my face and still something's like And you don't wear me. glasses. No. So. so it's not hanging on. Like, it's got to, I don't know. I don't, maybe it's all in my head now, but I'm just like, I'm being bothered. By or it's this. psycho, psychosomatic. Yeah. It's not, yes. there isn't anything there. You're yeah, just... exactly. I'm just imagining it and yep. thinking it was there. Uh, so that's been my woes for the past two days. Um, in addition to all our great fan questions, which will be the bulk of the episode, I did get down to the screening room to see a theater camp. I mentioned I might have a chance to see it last episode, and I did get a chance to see it. So I'll very briefly review that here. Um, Taylor, one thing I will say, this movie really surprised me, like pleasant, pleasantly surprised. I well, kind of went in thinking it was going to be trash. I don't know why, because for me, this is a very on-brand movie for you. This is a you movie through and through. Well, in terms of like, yeah, I guess style, but like content. I'm like, there couldn't be a more... (laughs) Is this not the same guy who did Best in Show, or is it a different... I don't know, because I thought 
I thought it it was written by four of the stars who are all theater. Oh, people. okay. Like I don't know who the director is though. Um, not offhand, but I like Ben again. The only one that's the whose name I know is Ben um, uh, Platt, who who has been on Broadway in in a couple movies. Him and and three other people who are all in the movie all co-wrote it. I don't know right. who directed it. It was um, directed by Molly Gordon. Oh, she's one and of I think the stars. she was. And then Nick Lieberman. So no, why I thought maybe it was the director of Best in Show because it has a very similar style, like that mockumentary. Yes. Um, I think the one thing that this movie didn't do that most mockumentaries do is they never had the confessional scenes. Right. You didn't get like them commenting. It was just a documented crew that's following like a day in the life and following around. And it's more that's the way it's shot. It wasn't right. like a convention of like, and we have confessionals to pass things on. Like almost um, like um, they don't have confess- confessionals in Wet Hot American Summer, do they? No, they don't. Right. Yes, that would, be a, of- that would be a good comparison. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, and and they, it was good. Like that, that style certainly served the comedy of it. And I will say it, it's a you movie in the way that it's shot, like we kind of talked about last week. And, and it is a me movie in terms of, of content because there are definitely some inside jokes like there's some humor that transcends like there were other people in the theater and they were laughing at a bunch of different things but then there's a lot of humor that's very specific if yeah like if you're involved in theater you'll know exactly what's happening here um and that made me made me laugh a lot like this movie made me laugh way more than i was expecting it was really cleverly written really funny my only real criticism of the whole movie is that it ended a little quickly. Like it, it felt like right. they had like they had like ninety five percent of a really good movie, and then they didn't know how to get to the end. It's an hour so and it a half. A little rush. Hour and a half. Yeah. So it's like they got okay. So they had like an hour and twenty minutes, and then the last ten minutes is just like, and all this happened, um, and and then they wrap it up really quick quickly. Like that's my. Only I guess that's a documentary, else. though. If you think very, about very it. true. <laughs> that's very, very documentary true. should kind of end. <laughs> and this movie had everything you want out of a movie making fun of theater. Like it had the 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 weird theater show scenes where they put on the show and it's absolutely ridiculous. Um, but oh, it's all like Hamlet too. Two. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Hamlet Two, I think, is still better and it, and did it a little bit better. But it's exactly like Hamlet Two, where the end of the movie you get to see basically most of the play that they've been working on, and it's an that. absolute ridiculous like nightmare. Now imagine so Hamlet Two with all that content. But imagine a similar show, but with little, like, young children. Because the, the <laughs> oldest kid, I think, is 13, and the rest are younger. Like, in terms of what they're playing. I don't know about the actors, but they're playing these younger ages. So even, like, there's, there's this scene where they're like, okay, and cue the cocaine. And they do this, like, scene about a character, like, getting addicted to cocaine, but they're all children. And it's <laughs> it's the, it's so funny. It's exactly like Hamlet 2, which has this, like, shocking aspects to the play but imagine that with like children keeping that content but i definitely want to see it yeah i i do think you would enjoy the movie and i won't spoil it and i'm not we've got so much fan questions i'm not going to talk too much more about it but i just wanted to bring up theater camp had a great experience at the screening room i give it a see it definitely go check out theater camp if you have a chance i really had no like a very low expectation just because i've seen a lot of movies that are kind of about theater and different things and they're not always great but this is like not quite as good as Hamlet 2 but right up there in terms of its sense of humor in terms of just kind of its overall movie and like a very good job by a bunch of like from what I can tell theater people 
who all wrote this. So they're passionate. Yeah, and it and it comes off, and they all play ridiculous. Like Ben Platt play, plays an absolute ridiculous character, but I went to so many like I went to school with so many people who would like him that it it works. Like it works really really well. So good job on that one. Theater camp gets to see it. Um, Taylor, we've got a lot of fan questions. We got to get to it, but before we do, um, I'm going to quickly give a quick update here that Barbie last week passed $1 billion. Yeah, I saw the headline. Uh, It became, I think, the 54th movie all time. I think it's moved up like it's like the 46th or something. Like it's in there. But I think it's really impressive. grossing for a female director. Mm -hmm. And um, it's one of the fastest to a billion dollars. I don't know if it's the fastest, but it's one of them. Like it's up there. And the fact that it's, even though Barbie is technically like an existing IP and based on a toy, it's still a relatively original concept. And all the movies around it that may usually make a billion dollars are Pirates of the Caribbean, Harry Potter, you know, Finding Nemo, Finding Dory. Like the fact that this movie is going to be kind of in that category and will probably continue to, to make money each week. That's really impressive, I think. Oh, no question. It's uh, it'll be interesting to see because it's still it's still pretty early in its theatrical run. Like, well, like you said, how it's um, oh, my brain just stopped working. <laughs> you might want to cut that out, Mike. <laughs> okay, well, <that's, laughs> I'm, I'm not sure. What, I would have jumped in to help you, but I wasn't or, sure where you were going. Or keep it in. But essentially, how you were saying, um, the fastest. It's the fat. It's like it's quickly rising in the ranks, yes. right? Yes. Um, and it's still so early and yeah. we still have a month left of summer. Like it's a very summer movie. So yes. um, I don't think it's going to stay at what, what did you say? 47? Where is it? 46. Yeah. 46. So, like, I, it's, it's not, not going to stay, stay there. there. No. No, no. And it's been the, no, it's been the number one movie at the box office for like five weeks. And you know, there's been a few, the only things that have opened, like the Meg two has opened the new Ninja Turtles movie opened. Um, How is the new Ninja Turtles movie? Doing? I have not read much about it other than like it opened at around 28 million in its first weekend. I don't know yet how it's done in its second. It did okay. The critical response wasn't as good as they wanted it to be. Like I think wow. they were hoping for a bit more of a strong critical response, um, especially because it's kind of the same style as the Spider-Man Spider-Verse movies. I think they were hoping to be in a similar vein as that, but it hasn't quite worked out for them yet. Um, I think that, I think they made a big mistake not pushing it back because there's there's a movie about uh, racing, uh, Gran Turismo. Oh, it looks horrible. <laughs> I, I think it looks okay, but I haven't seen it yet. Really? Uh, I can yeah, think I, it's such... I know it's, it's allegedly based on a true story. I is, haven't done yeah. research, so I don't know. But it's just... It's just such a... Stupid concept to me. Like <laughs> if that is, is real life. It's a true story. Yeah, like it's, it's real wild. life. That's what happened. Yeah, and that's kind of why I want to see it. It looks um, so corny. It just looks corny. But they did a good thing of they pushed their opening back. They were supposed to open right. like this weekend, and they pushed it back two weeks. To, like, to we give don't a even more. want yes. to com- try like to compete with Bird. Haunted Mansion from Disney, which completely bombed, didn't do that. The Meg didn't do that. Like I even, guess they were thinking like um oh different um 
different audiences, audiences right? Yeah. Maybe that was the rationale. Like the people who are going to go see Barbie aren't necessarily the people who are going to go see Ninja Turtles, right? But they like, were wrong. That's, like, <laughs> they I were know, wrong. I know, but like I guess that's what I assume they were thinking, right? Yeah, the Ninja Tur- Turtle people went to see Barbie because that's the only way, the only way a movie like Barbie can be this successful is if at, literally everyone's going to see it. Because it's it, everyone has to have seen it because this is such a big box office hit, and I think Oppenheimer was enough counter programming that 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 people were like, "Oh, we've got two options," and everything else was put to the wayside. Unfortunately for Mission Impossible, same thing. Like it was kind of pushed aside, even though it opened like a week before. But I, I like they, you know, you couldn't have known. No one could have predicted. But now that now that it's opened, movies should have started pushing themselves back. Just to be like, let's let's give it some. But how here. long do you wait? Three or four weeks. Like I'd say now. I'd say if you opened a movie now, you at least have an opportunity where like Barbie is now like It'll, under like, fifty like million now. dollars. Yeah, like it's it's not. You know, you might be able to surpass in the moment box office. You might be able to get people in. That I would say that like four or five weeks. That's how long I would wait, and then okay. and then go ahead and release your movie. Like August is relatively open. I'd say August, you could start releasing movies um, again and, and feel like you're going to catch a bit of a different crowd. And most people who've seen Barbie has now have now seen it. And some, some people obviously twice. That's the other thing. If a movie's making that much money, it's repeat viewing. People oh, yeah, must no, be going more for than sure. Um, Okay. That was just the little box office thing. Let's get to some fan questions. Um, we've got quite a few to go through. So we'll try to, uh, we'll try to get to these. Uh, oh, speaking of, let's do this one. This is a good uh, segue into a box office question. Oh. Um, this one. Oh, for Mike. From... Mike's the money numbers guy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> it's a... uh, this comes from Logan, uh, who's uh, asking, do you think that there's going to be another movie that opens this year that will surpass Barbie at the box office for the whole year? No. I think I said last week, like, this is the movie of the year. Yeah. There's no way. I don't, to be quite frank. Like, I don't even know what else is coming out. Well, aside Wonka. from Wonka <laughs> and that racing movie. Uh, um, Dune, Dune Part 2, which no, will, will, will do it will, will do well, but won't surpass it. No, there's no, no way. The, like, I, it's the, Dune 2 is the only movie I can think of that's even remotely close, where because the first one did well, and I'm sure some people have found it on streaming, it will probably bring an audience in, but there's no way it's making a billion dollars. Like, there's... There's no way. Is there a Marvel movie coming out this year? Off the top of my head, I don't know the answer to that. But even even so, it would it like unless it's an Avengers movie, I don't think there would be a chance. Like I think I think we're getting the Mar like the Marvels in the fall, but the first Captain Marvel movie didn't do that well. So I just don't see why this one would do that much better. Okay, yeah, November 10th is the Marvels, which is, I think, the only other uh, Marvel movie we're getting for this year. So that will definitely make money, but surpassing Barbie? I I don't think so. Well, like, how often do you get multiple movies in a year beating a billion dollars? It's not like most movies don't make it to a billion dollars. No, like uh, the Avengers movies do, but usually those are on their own. I think a Spider-Man movie and an Avengers movie came out the same year and both did it. 
And then I'm sure they Harry Potter movies and Lord of the Rings movies. But it's not very often, out. right? No. No, that's yeah. like every couple so of years. I, so I'm saying, I my guess is no. Nothing's going to yeah. be Barbie. This was the movie. I agree. I, th- I think there's absolutely no way. Um, next question here comes from Justine, um, who says, one of the things that was not talked about in the Oppenheimer review is where is where this overall ranks for other Christopher Nolan movies. I have to say I was personally a little disappointed oh. in Oppenheimer. Um, however, I would still put it in the top five for Christopher Nolan movies. I wouldn't even call myself a Christopher Nolan fan, but I can't deny that he has made some very entertaining movies. I still think Inception was the best overall, but I would be interested to see where you think Oppenheimer ranks. And that's from Justine. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I mentioned in my review that like people who think this is like Inception will be disappointed because it's not, it's not like, like some, a thriller. No, not at all. It's a character movie. Um, it's very good, but it's definitely different. See, I would rank Oppenheimer a little, like a little bit higher. Like it's, it's not the dark Knight. Um, which I really enjoyed. I do like Inception, um, but I think it was better than Tenet, um, even Interstellar, which I think has its moments. Was it better than Memento? No, I don't think so. Memento's pretty good. I I remember liking Memento quite a bit. So I'd say, like, for me, Memento, probably The Dark Knight are kind of up there. I would say Inception and Oppenheimer would be pretty close. Like those kind of four movies. Would so you would close. say, yeah, your top, you think it's top four. She thinks it's top five. So yeah. On yeah. Par. Like, on par. Because I do think, like, I, I just think that it's a different movie. But it was so well executed and so well done that I think for someone like me who, I mean, I didn't know what to expect. But I didn't think it was going to be a World War II epic you know, oh, movie, he did like Dunkirk, Dunkirk too, right? Yeah, Dunkirk. Where do you think, how did you, I don't remember how you felt about Dunkirk. <laughs> you reviewed it on the show. <laughs> yes, I did. I, I felt, I liked Dunkirk a little bit better than Tenet, but not by that much. Right. Because there were still sound issues, I found. Like, I, I honestly, like, I went to Oppenheimer and I, I didn't have a problem understanding what was going on or understanding the sound or understanding people talking. Whereas in Dunkirk and Tenet, there was too many times where I'm like, what did they just say? <laughs> what I is saw, going on? <laughs> I saw an interesting headline, Mike, that apparently one of the sound issues, quote unquote, because like Christopher Nolan doesn't consider it an issue, is that he doesn't use secondary, there's like a name for it. You would know the name for it. The, um, You know how like when they're you're filming a movie, there's like audio, but often the audio gets muddled. So they might go back afterwards, like in post-production and re-record dialogue. Oh, yes, yes. What you, he doesn't what do any called? of that? He doesn't do that. That's what he said. He's like, I only want to use the original take with the actors. So apparently that's one of the reasons why the dialogue is so muddled. And I could see wow. someone like Cillian Murphy and like Florence Pugh who are like um, very, very good actors, just like delivering very clearly. But yes. maybe I'm just deranged. But like, no, <laughs> you and, see, like and that's they, what would just, they would be able to deliver like very well yes. on the first take. Don't have to yes. go back. And but, maybe some some actors are just more equipped to, to handle do that. that because I would like that was just a big issue that I had with Tenet, even though it was kind of interesting. It was a little weird, sometimes hard to follow. The biggest issue I have was I can't understand can't what is being I don't said. know. Yeah. I didn't read the full article, so I don't know, like, when he started doing that. Like, I don't think it's, like, his whole career because people have only been com- starting to complain since, like, Dunkirk, I think. Right. About right. his audio. 
So at some point, he decided I'm only going to take the first take. But that doesn't explain like the weird. I don't. I haven't watched his new movies, but I've, from my understanding, like the scoring is weird. The sound effects are too loud. So like the yeah. audio is only one. The the dialogue is only one part. Yes, <laughs> especially in Dunkirk and and uh, Tenant, which was his last two. Yeah, and then I don't think it was a problem in Oppenheimer. I I didn't have a problem with the sound in, in Oppenheimer. So yeah, that's kind of where where I would land it. Um, next question here, Taylor, is for you. Okay. Uh, says, uh, Taylor, do you think the Amy Schumer version of the Barbie movie would have been better or worse than the Barbie movie we ended up getting? I'm not a huge Amy Schumer fan. I don't really like her comedy. So I think <laughs> the movie, I don't, I think it would have been worse. I don't, and I also, like, I don't know a lot of, like, Amy Schumer fans. Like, you know, like, ride or die, who are like, Amy right. was the funniest woman in comedy. So, like, I don't think, I don't know, like, I don't think she necessarily would have given me the Barbie movie that I wanted. If, like, yeah. if, if, if memory serves, she does kind of, like, gross out humor sometimes. I don't know, like, I, yeah, I've seen a couple of her specials or, like, a lot, of, a couple of her clips haven't been, like, particularly struck by them. I don't think she's, like, a phenomenal actress. Um, so no, I don't think the movie would have been better. <laughs> it would have yeah. been very different. Yes, definitely different. Um, but I don't think it would have been better. I still I- don't really know why, like apparently this, she, what she claims is that the studio wouldn't let her make the movie she wanted to make. Yes. I, I think there was some sort of issue. Creative difference. That's what I understood. Yeah. Cause Greta Gerwig, I mean, also wasn't even involved at that point. Point. No, um, and I don't so, think Margot Rob Margot Robbie came on as a producer. Yes, yeah, and then so I, and then decided to star or like Greta. It would have been so different. It would have been such a different movie than than what we ended up getting. And I just again, it's it might be also biased of how can you imagine anything else than what you kind of got. I know um, it's always hard to say, like, how do you imagine? My imagination isn't good enough to be like in a different universe. Yeah, Amy Schumer's Barbie. <laughs> but no, like long the short of it is, I don't really care for her comedy. So like, no, I don't think it would be better. I think, yeah, it would be a lot worse. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Um, okay, <laughs> next question. This is this is an interesting one. Um, so this this very short. Any sound of freedom hot takes? Now I, I have I not haven't seen it. Me neither. And I haven't. But really I do have hot up. takes. <laughs> okay. I haven't really kept up with all the news about it. Um, I, I know it, it is one of those movies that was kind of hanging around at the box office. Did this come in while. anonymously? This was an anonymous one over the website. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, you know, I, I got a lot of feelings about it, especially as like a, uh, a Catholic, so like a lot of um, this movie's been very popular in Catholic and Christian circles, and then in particular, Catholic? I didn't, I, I don't know. So, Taylor, I know very little, right? So, is this a religious movie? Like, is this it? Um, I don't know if it's being branded as a religious movie per se, but like the lead actor who played Jesus in Passion of the Christ, Passion, uh, Jim, uh, Kiv- Kiv- I don't Kiv- know, Kiv- yeah, Kiv- I'm not sure how to yes. pronounce his last name. 
he's like a very vocal, like very conservative Catholic and like runs in very conservative Catholic circles. And I do believe that he plays like a Christian, if not a Catholic in the movie. And it's about um, child, like human trafficking. And this like, his character like learns about human trafficking essentially and starts a nonprofit. And there's like a lot of controversy around the nonprofit because like this is based on a true story and a, a real person. There's a lot of controversy around the nonprofit, a lot around the issue of human trafficking that um, conservative circles inflate um, the crisis of human trafficking. Like people don't deny that human trafficking isn't real, but the Christian circles kind of use it as like a they inflate the issue essentially and so like there's a lot of controversy around that there's controversy that like churches were buying out theaters in order to like um hike up the box office numbers but then the theaters actually weren't uh attended and then Christians would say that that's a controversy so anyways I it's this like is, a whole this it's, is wild. It's very I fascinating. I think it like from a cultural phenomena, like it like the Van diagram, like it's a very interesting phenomena. So you have like um super conservative values, super Christian values, the issue of human trafficking, the issues of like nonprofits in general. Anyways, like all of these issues converge and it's been like the most talked about thing in like Christian circles over the summer. And they will say that like um you know, theaters, it's a conspiracy that theaters don't want to carry this movie, blah, 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 blah. And then, like, leftist, left-leaning people are saying, like, no, it's just not a good movie. <laughs> so, anyways, it's, like, it's very fascinating. I haven't been, like, I haven't done a deep dive, but because mm-hmm. I um, live in many circles on the internet, I've, <laughs> I've seen, like, you <laughs> yeah, know, you it's, <laughs> it's, I do. So, like, it's been, like, like all summer I've been like seeing things about it but anyways my hot take is that I have not seen it but if you are going to go see it just do your research um because whenever whenever something is about like a true story I think it's kind of on the viewer to do the extra bit of research you know oh, what for I mean? sure because you, um, you like you know that movies are going to change things for for dramatic purposes they yeah do that all the time. so I think I agree with you I think it's on the viewer to do a little bit more research and yeah so just it also sounds like it's like a very american-centric movie so like everyone has to be like a little bit suspicious when that happens (laughs) (laughs) you included taylor yeah yeah, like this isn't necessarily a movie that i would be like running out to see anyways i Mm. don't i haven't really read reviews i just know that like Often what Christians will do is if, even if the movie is not good, they'll still say to their church community, go see this movie because it has like, it has like Christian values in it or like it looks like it has Christian values. And I think that happens with other like, um, other identity groups too, right? Like, oh, we have to go see this LGBTQ movie because it's an LGBTQ movie. We have to go see this, you know, like, um the story about immigrants because we're immigrants, like whatever, choose your identity yeah. group. And yeah. so I think that sometimes ha- like Christians fall into that as well, but maybe more so than other groups. Cause we don't have as many movies <laughs> or at least like quote unquote mainstream movies. Cause there right, is like right. angel productions and stuff like that. But um, yeah. So anyways, I could talk about this, like a whole episode about 
Christian media because I think it's fascinating. And um, yeah, it's just like a very interesting topic. You've completely like opened my eyes to something that I didn't even know was a thing. I knew nothing of this. I knew there was a little bit of controversy. Like I heard a little bit of noise around the movie. I heard some conspiracy theories about like people filling the theater. I didn't really know anything about it. I wasn't paying attention to it because I was like, why? All I was thinking was, why are is everyone talking about this when Barbie and Oppenheimer you are like could, here? <laughs> this is like, this is just my like hot take, my speculation, but like you could really do a deep dive because QAnon um, is like a is a conspiracy theory, and one of the central tenets of QAnon is about this um, the human trafficking of children with powerful elites. That's like a central tenet with QAnon, which has overlap with some very conservative Christian groups. So like it is like there is quite a bit you could do a deep dive on in terms of sound of freedom. You got cultish beliefs, Christian beliefs. Was there a conspiracy about selling the tickets? Because you'll often, it'll be like, um, Christians were like hurt. I was going to say butt hurt. I don't know if you can say that on the, on air, but they were hurt because. I mean, you people, just said it. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I don't know. If you have I, don't know. Beat, I don't know. If you have I don't know. Beat but they would I don't be know. Like, you know, it would be like, Barbie made this much. Oppenheimer made this much. And then the Christians would be like, and Sound of Freedom made this much. And, like, it did perform relatively well, but there's, like, a, yeah, yeah, did people actually go see it? I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking, because that, that's all I had heard about it, actually, was that it was one of those movies that maybe didn't have a big opening, but was sticking around. Like, over time, yeah. has done well at the box office. I'm just, I'm just looking up its numbers right now. Um, and its opening was $19 million, which is quite, quite good for an opening not like spectacular but still good especially, especially, especially for like a low like a no low, low, low budget movie, movie. Yeah. yeah like low, low budget film and it's grossed 165 million dollars worldwide which is and it's, again it's mainly u.s canada because it hasn't opened uh or isn't playing in other parts of the world um but it, it that's good like for a low budget movie like the estimate on the budget according to imdb was 14.6 million so that's not a big budget and that's quite a lot of money to, to make over time. So it's one of those movies that clearly stuck around. That's all I had really heard about it. And I'm like, oh, like maybe I'll get to it. But now everything you've said, all I want to do is watch this movie. Because I'm I'm always fascinated even – and whenever there's a controversy over anything, I'm less fascinated in the controversy than I am in the what the controversy is focused on. Because if the movie is yeah, bad – Yeah, like is it worth it? <laughs> yeah, that, I, I always go like, – like The Flash where I'm like, this is not worth releasing. Like it's the same thing. I want to see the movie because then my take will be like, oh, this movie's actually like well done and interesting and now it's worth talking about. Or this movie's garbage – and we should just move on. <laughs> like that's kind of it's usually either or it ends up happening. So now all I want to do is see this movie. So I'm I will I'm say about the it for sure. The controversy about like the selling the tickets. Um no churches that I know <laughs> well like like our local Catholic churches could not afford to like buy out a whole theater and like give tickets away for free. So the churches that are like buying out these blocks allegedly because i don't i don't know if it's true or not have to be like fairly wealthy like mega churches that was like thousands of dollars yeah like but that's not a low amount of money they're alleging you know like the the allegation is that like churches are buying out blocks of tickets and like giving them away for free but like no one wants to go see it so like they can't even give the tickets away for free but like okay fine but like no like 
very few churches, unless it's like um, a mega church, could afford to do that. Because there's this myth that like, you know, like, um, church, like Christian churches are like, super, super wealthy. But that's not actually true with like the parish, like the ch- individual church level. You know what I mean? Like we have churches in our community that are like struggling to keep the lights on. So like those churches are not buying out, like buying thousands of dollars worth of tickets to go see this movie. So anyways, it's just like a fascinating talk. Like I think to me, it's like a hotbed of like multiple things that are happening in our culture. And it's all like converging on this like random movie. And yeah. I, I think, and like, it just happened <laughs> to happen at the same does. time as Barbie and Oppenheimer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, just, just fascinating. So I don't plan on seeing it. It's not really for me. Um, and like I do some of the like the the politics do make me like a little nervous just about like the yeah. So anyways, that's my hot take. If anyone has seen the movie, feel free to write in. <laughs> Let us know. Let us know. That. Or Mike will give us a review in a couple weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever I find it. Um, okay. Next uh, question here comes from Amy. Uh, and this is to you, Taylor. Uh, Amy says, Taylor, uh, any plans for a specific Halloween-themed episode this year? Um, I'm always interested to see what Screening Kingston does for Halloween. I'm a big fan of those movies. I'm really hoping my question sparks a Screening in Kingston classic where you discuss future episodes and plan it on air for the first time. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. We are disorganized to do that. (laughs) That is very typical. Thank you, Amy. Uh, I have not even given a thought um we are in spooky season because we're after august 1st so it's completely appropriate to be talking about our halloween episode um and i've kind of bypassed halloween all all together and i'm already thinking about george's first birthday in november that's actually a lie i have been looking at um costumes mother son costumes for halloween (laughs) even though we live live in the country now no children are going to be coming to our door we're not going anywhere i'm just going to dress george and i in matching costumes um no mike do you have any thoughts we're in what is this our fifth fifth halloween yeah this would be the fifth one um no because i mean so you're saying after august 1st begins spooky season where's that die hard die hards August 1st, you got to start planning, you you know, they're like, at one point there was a meme being like, if you haven't planned Halloween August 1st, you're already behind. Oh, okay. I thought it would be October 1st. No, no. Are you crazy? I like people who like Halloween more than Christmas, because you know, like Christmas people are allowed to be like, September, I'm already thinking about Christmas. And us Halloween people are like, come on, give us a break. So we're allowed to start planning in August as Halloween people. But um, I don't know. It might be fun to do. We've talked about this off and on, but like reviewing the original Halloween movies. And like yeah. I've talked about that with like my friend Val. Um, she'll be at home with a new baby. So maybe I can convince her and her husband um, to either come on or at least write in because they're huge Halloween fans. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I wouldn't mind doing that. Like a couple. I don't know if I can do all of them because i i think we would review like the original ones but aren't there like 10 halloween movies yeah i think we maybe original like do the first one and then ask for some 
you know, ideas from people maybe for what, what, like if we had to pick one or two others, which ones would we do? Yeah. Cause I'm sure there's some that are, that are skippable, but then, you know, other, other f- people who are fans of the Halloween movies might have a, an idea for us is exactly what to do. Um, yeah. I, like I season of the fun. witch. The third one is like a prequel. I think I'm pretty sure I've seen Halloween H2, H2O, which was like the reboot, the original reboot. So, like, I'm thinking we want to stick to probably the 80s. Yes, yeah. Um, We'll definitely review the first one. And then, like you said, Mike, maybe have people vote on, like, maybe two Which or other three ones? other ones. Yeah. And then maybe Yeah, because we'll I wouldn't have... know. I'm, I haven't, like, I've seen a few of them, but I, I'm not a huge fan of the series. So I wouldn't know at all where to start. So I think we go to our fans. They, they know there, yeah. there's going to be Halloween fans out there who will know what, what to, to pick. And, um, oh my gosh, I'm blanking. Um, reel out Matt, oh, Matt Sultan yeah. is a huge Halloween fan as I, cause we had him on to talk about Halloween kills. So yeah. he would be a good guest for that. And Definitely. be able, so if our fans don't write in saying like, you have to watch Halloween three or Halloween six, I'm sure, um, Matt can give us some guidance. Matt, yeah, Matt will be able to help that out. Well, there you go. So that, we just did the, that's a planning session, right? Our there. Halloween theme <laughs> is Halloween. Is Halloween. <laughs> what, a great, what a great, what a great theme. Um, okay, next question here uh, comes from <laughs> producer Austin. Nice. Uh, he said, uh, those two, two questions, two questions. Uh, question number one, Mike, did you ever finish Secret Invasion? Uh, yes, I did. It was, it was all right. It was. It was from a time when I was not on the show. Secret, yes, Secret Invasions, <laughs> the the Marvel show. Yes, but just before you kind of got back regular, I was talking about how it was coming up, uh, and I think I mentioned on one episode, maybe with Tyler, that I watched the pilot. Right. It might have been on an episode that you were here for. Actually, I just mentioned that I watched the pilot, but didn't. Yeah, it was. It was. It's a Marvel TV show, uh, but Samuel Jackson star is the star of it. Um, and, uh, he's great and it was, it was okay. Like I, I, I was entertained. I enjoyed it. I thought the last episode was a little, again, quick to wrap things up. Like that seems to be happening with these Marvel shows. They have six episodes or so, and they, they do a pretty good job of building tension through four or five episodes. And then the sixth feels like, and now we're going to put everything into one episode and quickly finish. Um, so it feels like these could have, again, it feels like these were movies that were then stretched out to fill six episodes of a TV show. That's what these have felt like recently. Um, so that's a little disconcerting as a Marvel fan, but you never know. Uh, so second half of the question here. Um, okay, Mike and Taylor, we need to really talk about something here. I Uh-oh. feel as though you never talked about Ryan Gosling singing in the Barbie <laughs> movie after many, many comments about La La Land. I know I don't speak... For every fan, but I do speak for a lot of us who ask you one question. Where's the justice for Ryan? Hashtag justice for Ryan. In the sense that like he's saying, well, in this movie, he did. He's saying. Yeah, I guess. It looks like it's insinuating that we have spent some time bashing Ryan Gosling for La La Land, but did not praise him enough. Here's a, I never I don't think I bash Ryan Gosling for his singing in La La Land. I, I did. just think La La Land was a horrible <laughs> I movie. Did. I definitely bashed everyone for their singing in La La Land. Well, you we also we both feel this way. We don't like when they get 
non-musical theater people to do like musical numbers i don't understand why not hire an actual but ryan gosling has released an album a spooky album an album i play often dead man bones um in the spooky season so he it's not like you can't say oh he's not a singer he has an album um but it's not like particularly like uh it's like indie singing you know what i mean like it's not like award-winning but like i thought listening to him in this movie i'm like Oh, did he like? Did they maybe like um, fix this in post production? <laughs> like, I thought it sounded quite good. Yes, <laughs> I, no, movie. I I agree. I just my issues with La La Land was by design. The produ- the producers were like, "Well, we want this to be as realistic as possible, right. so the singing is going to feel more quote unquote real and realistic, so less trained." That's not but what that's I go not, in. That's not no. what I'm looking for when I'm watching a musical theater no. number. No, because you don't go into a movie saying, well, we want it to feel more real, so we're going to have... I want it to sound like acting. my neighbor next door is singing. <laughs> like, what? No. Exactly. No, exactly. And that, that was an issue with La La Land. And no, Ryan Gosling did not sound good in La La Land. He didn't. I really, um, I really don't remember. I try to block that movie out. My honestly, my only, I don't, I didn't know about the album, and I didn't have the album. <laughs> I didn't know he had an album. Um, so my only Ryan Gosling singing was Barbie and La La Land are the only two, and, and they're, um, they're they're extremely different, <laughs> so. very different. But it's not. He is like a performer. I think people might forget, or maybe they don't. Maybe like Ryan Gosling stands, and that's why Austin's like, "Excuse me." justice for ryan but like he's a child actor like he's been acting he was in mickey mouse club and was like on like a yeah like there's like viral videos of him like dancing as a child like he is a performer so like i'm not surprised that he knocked it out of the park in the barbie movie it's more surprising that directors maybe haven't utilized that side of him but also he's been cast in like very kind of like indie silent moody roles in the last like yeah. 10 to 15 years but yeah. anyways sorry sorry Austin I thought he was great one of my favorite scenes was the dance-off scene or whatever you want yeah. to call it yeah that whole sequence and um, also when he they're good. dancing at the first party mm-hmm. with Barbie like mm-hmm. when the Ken the Kens are like both want to get in to dance with her yeah so anyways yes yeah, sorry Justin yeah. hashtag Justin or justice for Ryan I agree he did well. Although, Mike, you are not... You're like, hey, it was okay. Yeah, I mean, it, I thought I just thought he might have been auto-tuned. Again, I didn't know about the I did the feel album. like, um, <laughs> compared to, like, the album, like, it sounds very different yes. from that album. So either, like, he's he took, like, a lot of lessons, because people can learn how to sing. Sure. Not unheard of. Uh, or in, like, post-production, they, like, fixed it. <laughs> yes and and if you already like what to your point about learning to sing if you already have a performer music background like if he already had the basic of singing then it's easier to start from there and to just improve so clearly he knows about sing- like singing is like anything else it's a technique like you you're not just again it's not like singing in your shower some people are naturally very gifted but even natural talent you have to like cultivate practice. Yes, cultivate. That's a great word. Like, it's just like a muscle. You have to work on it or it's not going to do anything. Everyone has muscles, but you've got to work on it. So it, for for him, he could have just put in the word. That's kind of all I was thinking was, oh, he's clearly worked on his singing or they were auto-tuning him. It was definitely way better than La La Land. 
but I didn't put much thought to it because I only had these two examples. Again, did not know about the album. I'm um, that's shocking. I had like I don't I couldn't believe you, when you said that I that he is an album, but there you go. Like that's 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 it. It was fine. It was fine. The singing was fine. It it was what it needed to be. It was it was definitely it's, good. It's like charting the the charts. Yeah. If that's what you call it. It's, it's a catch. It's a catchy song that they that they wrote. Um, very catchy. So th- they did a good job, definitely. And I guess we. I guess if we are going to criticize, then we should spend as much time. But again, it's. I guess part of it is I am of the attitude of like, if you're going to sing, my expectation is you sing well. So I notice. It I think more that's fair. When you when you're expect- <laughs> when it's yeah, and, and I I just notice it more when it's bad because it's like why well, then why sing at all. But there you go. But yes, I'm sure. I'm sure, Austin, you're not the only person. Like I, I'm sure other people felt that way. I know we. I think we have a lot of Ryan Gosling fans. Didn't people get really mad at me when I said he he was uh, had a much has as much personality as a brick wall? Yeah, I think people wrote yeah. in. He's boring. He's one of the most boring people I've ever seen in like an interview. Like he's a very boring person. I don't like. I. I just and I don't. This is. I mean, we often don't agree, but this is also. This is definitely one of those things we don't agree on. I like. Yes, Ryan and that's fine. And that's. <laughs> and most people. Most people agree. Agree with you. I think. Bef- aside from Barbie, I've never seen him act before, and he he acted in Barbie and did a great job. Um, and I I will say that he did like he did a great job when 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 you do a good job, I'll praise you for it. Um, okay, we've got uh, we've got a big email here from Tyler Vance. Okay, deep breath. Yeah, I'm gonna skim it in advance so you don't stumble. I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna have to take breaks, Taylor, during <laughs> during this one because it's it was luckily the one thing I will say for Tyler, he did break it down into sections. Good. Like there's paragraph breaks. Okay. Uh so here we go. Uh hello again. It is I, the overly loquacious seller of cinematic wares, Tyler Vance. Returning to talk about the art of filmmaking whilst making both Mike and Taylor sad. Credit oh. to the AI reviewer from many months back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's right. Yes, the AI reviewer said and makes us sad. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. Um, it has been a while since I wrote the show, mostly because there was a while near the beginning of the year during Taylor's recovery when my actual voice was on the air far too frequently. So I, so I figured I would give the hallowed podcastal halls of screening Kingston a few tireless months to cleanse. I think that's fair. I think we needed the Tyler Vance cleanse. I'll, I'll, a palate I'll cleanse. That. Yeah, I think so. I think that's fair. That's understandable. Uh, but no more, for I have returned, burdened with the glorious purpose once more and empowered through suggestion to ask the questions and make all the comments I want. So here are your questions and comments from Tyler Vance. So he's broken it down into questions and comments. Okay. So three questions, four comments. He obviously has more comments than questions because he's Tyler. He's that checks out. Comments. Yeah. <laughs> so far, so far, so good. We believe it's him. Question number one. With the glory of Barbenheimer still burning like the fire of a thousand magnetic suns, I started thinking about, uh, about which year of my life had the best summer blockbusters, or at least the most personally influential blockbusters. Mine is actually the summer of 2003. This was the first year I was able to go see movies without parental supervision. While the movies from that year haven't stood the test of time as well as I would like, movies such as The Matrix Reloaded 
Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, and The Core. <laughs> I always think of them very fondly. Which uh, year released your most influential summer blockbusters upon the world? So Tyler wants to know if there's a year that we can think of that had the most influential summer blockbusters. Um, that's so hard. Like, that's when you need to research. You can't just, like... Well, while, while you think on it, Taylor... I'm going to answer with, I really think that 2019, I know it's very recent, but there's very few theatrical experiences that are going to be able to compete with seeing the, uh, seeing Endgame, Avengers Endgame, just seeing a packed crowd react to that. That movie was like 10 plus years in the making of of going through all these marvel movies and seeing kind of we were waiting a year to find out what happened in this saga there's very very few experiences that i think are ever going to compete with that for me and i know it's recent and i have such a terrible memory i can't i I don't remember going to see movies in 2003 um but i will say that that blockbuster experience is one that i i don't know if i'll ever necessarily impact again like i know i remember seeing you know certain star wars movies that kind of had it and in terms of what i experienced going to see barbie and oppenheimer it most compares with avengers endgame 2019 experiencing with a crowd laughing at the same time being in awe at the same time everyone being sort of like silently focused and watching because you're actually interested in the movie it's something that's more and more rare now and that's something that i don't think i'll forget so 2019 has to be my answer because that movie, I think, just it, it was something we were all waiting for and we didn't know what to expect. And it uh, it absolutely delivered. I don't know if all these movies came out in the summertime, but I was thinking, OK, like what's a movie that like I really remember from like high school being like a really big deal? Um, and Dan and I literally just talked about this movie. I'm pretty sure. Super bad. So I Googled it, 2007, and it was an August release. And then I thought, okay, what else came out in 2007? Cross the Universe, huge Mm. movie. My sister, like, had the DVD and the CD, listened to it, like, nonstop. Dead Silence, we definitely rented and watched at a sleepover. Um, I now pretend to Chuck and Larry. Pretty sure I saw that in theaters. Um, Juno came out that year. Um, Lars and the Real Girl, Ryan Gosling big big movie um so yeah it must be to knocked up that was a big one that was a big movie blades of glory also came out in 2007 so i'm gonna say 2007 for me just like thinking of like high school you know what i mean like movies you'd go see with your friends in the summertime when one of us could drive that's a really good one um one of the harry potter movies came out in 2007 so yeah i'm gonna say 2007 and just like very big like high school movies Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. like i think i I remember these weren't summer releases but i can remember and hairspray sorry that was was huge yep 2007 that was see i remember go it being at queens and going with people from the drama department to see hairspray like i remember that was a group i think i was in grade 10 yeah so I was in grade 10 when all these movies came out. Yeah. And it's just, I, um, it's, it's so interesting because the only, I can remember being younger and the Lord of the Rings movies being those. Now those were more like 
November, late yeah. fall, early December like releases, but still that blockbuster feeling of like everyone going and kind of takes over that time. The anticipation for those Lord of the Rings movies were definitely like, I just couldn't wait to get there to see them. Um, and I know that that was another one. So there you go. Good question, Tyler. Uh, number two, I've been privy to a lot of discourse concerning Tom Cruise jumping off a cliff on a motorcycle near the end of Mission Impossible 7 and how the marketing there was for that practical stunt. Some seem to think that the marketing actually ruined the moment by revealing the whole thing before anyone even saw the movie. Others say that it got people in the seats while also creating a weird new form of dramatic irony where the audience is enjoyably ahead of the character knowing what awaits him. Can either of you recall a time where the marketing completely ruined a movie <laughs> or, uh, or a moment where the marketing uh, is the only reason that got you in to see the movie in the first place. So he's saying either or. Is there a time that the marketing of a like ruined a movie for you, or did, was there a time where the marketing really got you into the movie in the first place? I can't think. Tyler always like I'm like I need like six weeks to research his questions. They're hard to answer off the cu- top of my head. I yeah, I should really read these in advance. Yeah, like for Tyler <laughs> questions, like other ones, like yeah. I, I'll give you my hot take. But with these ones, it's a little bit um, tricky. Oh, Hannibal Rising also came out in two thousand seven. I'm just looking at the list. You're the still list. in. The I feel like wow, two thousand seven Eastern Promises. Two thousand seven was a big year for movies. Um, uh, I have an answer for the first one. Like, like completely ruined a movie. Um, the uh, the Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. Hmm. That, that entire movie, now that movie was awful and I knew it was going to be awful, but the entire movie plot and everything that happens to it is revealed in the trailer. Yeah, I would say that I can't think of specifics, but there's definitely been times where you watch a trailer and then you go in and the trailer's been cut in such a way that like the movie doesn't remotely seem like the same plot as the trailer. Yeah. I can, yeah. that's definitely happened to me. I can't give you any specifics. Um... I don't know, like, I don't, I'd like to think that I'm, like, above marketing, but, like, Barbie clearly showed me that no. Oh, Barbie. Barbie's a great example. That like, way. the marketing of that movie that worked. Built, built all this. Yeah, clearly, because look how successful, and that's, even before the movie opens, like, critical response and how people, like, people always think that a movie doing well at the box office means that the movie's good, but that's not even remotely true like there's aspects of something being good can drive people into it later and i think one of the reasons why barbie stuck around so long is people are saying positive things about it there's a lot of good reviews about it but your first weekend is 100 percent marketing and like, like reviews group thing. often come out yeah yeah and reviews often come out late anyway like very close to to when the movie comes out so you don't even know what critics think necessarily when you buy your ticket so it's uh, the marketing for barbie that's got to be the best example I'd probably say, like, thinking back again to high school, like, um, when I would have been, like, more in tuned with, like, what was... Because, like, you were, like, you had Kate, like, I had cable, you know what I mean? So I would have been able to watch, like, um, commercials and stuff. But, like, I remember, like, being so hyped for the Twilight movies. Like, you know, I, I was the demographic in high school. I had read the books, whatever, and just being, like, so disappointed. <laughs> with the movies so that would have been like a combination of marketing because like I remember like we bought this was when you for our, our very young listeners this is when you would still have to like buy your tickets in advance 
And then, like, if you wanted a good seat, you'd have to, like, line up hours before the movie started. And I remember, like, bringing cookies and, like, sitting down, like, in front of the theater at the Cineplex, like, waiting, like, probably a good hour just so I could get good seats to see, like, the first Twilight movie. So, like, that's a little bit of marketing, right? Like, um, and, yeah, just not liking the movie at all. Like, thinking the movie was so corny or whatever. So, yeah. I think that counts. It's hard because it's like, would you have seen that? Did Twilight need to be marketed because it was already buying into the fandom? But probably not. <laughs> I don't, yeah, it probably didn't need to be marketed. Same with the same way, like, did the Harry Potter movies need to be marketed? Right? I don't know. No. <laughs> Again, probably not. Um, okay, let's quickly one more question from Tyler, and then we'll get to his quick comments here. Um, with the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie doing battle with the sequel to the Meg, I have to ask the obvious question. If you were to be cursed with an It Follows style where a creature knows where you are and will forever be hunting you the rest of your life, would you rather it be a, a quartet of mutant turtles that happen to be ninjas or a megalodon? And a megalodon's I, like a prehistoric shark, right? Yeah, like a massive shark. Like I, I would prefer the turtles because they'd be slower. But is the megalodon, but them. like, can the shark walk on land? I assume not. So you would, you could, I guess. So like, could wouldn't you want that it. the one being chasing so. you? Because you but, could just but stay a on massive, land. a massive sea creature it, chasing me is about my biggest nightmare. Really? So honestly, I'd rather deal with the turtles. See, like I don't. When, I, I can kick a turtle. I can kick a turtle. But far. no, the mutant turtle, mutant ninja turtles. If you were from like the movie in the eighties, they're like life size. They're Wait, like the are size they, of a well, human. Now, hold on. He didn't say. Are they the teenage mutant ninja turtles, or are they just mutated? turtles who happen to be ninjas like are they life size like do they have to be mutated in that way because if they're like regular sized turtles size. also little ninjas then i could kick them yeah I also that... feel like i could learn karate like i could learn a skill to fight them but i don't think i could ever fight. like what can you do against the megalodon i just think you just don't go near water i think you, you just live in saskatchewan like that's well like i live inland right now like i can drive to I the water so. oh shoot no there's a creek behind my house the shark could yeah come see up, there you go up. it could come up yeah if, if it's a megalodon, it could go like under the mantle of the earth or something i come like you know no and i have a no, well you could probably like get in the well and like go up <laughs> the, the turtles yeah yeah i i vote turtles okay. Uh, okay let's get four comments from tyler before we end the episode here comment number one the episode where you folks spent five minutes talking about the state of Mike's cat-influenced air conditioning woes, and then another 10 minutes labasting the fictional mobs of people trying to stop you from drinking fountain pop, maybe uh, made for one of my favorite episodes yet. <laughs> Two, to Taylor. Yes, I did very much enjoy the sound mixing in Oppenheimer. That speech in the gymnasium is about the top five scenes of the year for me so far. Nolan definitely practices what he preaches on the audiovisual format, and I am here for it. Uh, number three, to Mike, your rendition of my days in the lab, while not entirely accurate, are super marketable. If you ever want to collaborate on an academia-based sitcom, potentially referred to as Academia Mentia, I would be down. Uh, number four i think that asteroid city is a better double feature with both barbie and oppenheimer than either of the others are with each other that's an interesting hot take uh and with that i am off to the dusty valve of ttc once again until next time sincerely tyler absence makes the heart grow fonder vance p.s 
I am, drumroll please, 10 episodes away from finishing Star Trek Enterprise. We're on our way. He's been trying to finish Star Trek Enterprise since he was on the show talking about Star Trek Enterprise. Um, there you go, Taylor. We just made it under the wire to the end of our fan questions episode. Thank you so much, everybody, for writing in. We really do appreciate it. And you'll hear from us next week. Go see some movies. <laughs>